Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Are you guys ready to go today? Are you guys ready to get into God's Word? I'm excited about it. We are in week number two of our series, Jesus Still Changing Everything About Everything. And let me just ask you right off the bat, is, does anyone in the room need Jesus to change something about your life? Yeah, a lot of us do. And, and maybe even a better way to ask it is, would anybody adm- admit that you need God's help in your life today? Just, just nod your head, raise your hand, something to acknowledge. You need God's help in your life. We all need change. We all need, more importantly, we need God's help with things. We know we can't do life alone, which is why the statement, Jesus is for you, is so good. How many of you guys believe Jesus is for you? You know, I mean, it's, it's such a great thing because if Jesus is for us, then surely he can help us. And so I've titled today's message, Jesus is for you. And I know probably you've heard that phrase before. It's something that's thrown around a lot, but it is a statement that is extremely powerful. Jesus, God's son, the king of kings, right? The savior of sinners, the bread of life, the resurrection and the life. He is for you. I mean, this is a powerful truth. And it's always a good feeling when you know that someone is for you, especially when that person is maybe someone that is important or someone that is powerful or someone that is esteemed. When that person is for you, that feels good. I went to a conference a number of years ago, thousands of other pastors and leaders at it, and uh, the guy in charge of this particular event was my friend. In fact, he was a mentor of mine. And so I felt very, very lucky to be on the coattails of this guy, right? I got invited backstage. Come on, that's a big deal. Go to the green room. I got invited to invite-only dinners with all the important people. Come on, like how many of you guys know that it is good to be a friend of the boss man? (laughs) Right, it is good to know the person. But I just want to say something, and this is not intended to be cheesy, but Jesus is better than being a friend of the boss man. Jesus is better than being a friend of the billionaire. Like Jesus does something that's better than getting a little bit of extra conference swag. You know what I'm saying? Like it's better. Jesus is just better. And it's an important truth for us today to know that Jesus is for you. Because here's what I know. A lot of us don't really feel like anyone is for us. That's the truth. I know many of us feel like, yeah, we got a small circle of people who love me, who maybe like me. But a lot of us wonder who is really for me. Who is really trying to make me become the best version of me? Like who is really out there that doesn't just say they like me, which by the way, people liking you is a gift. Some of us are like, man, I'm glad people like me. That's awesome. But there's something about people being for you that is just different. There's something about a God who is for you that just hits different. That someone that is going to do whatever it takes to help you in life, to lift you up, to be sacrificial for you, many of us in life don't have that. Many of us in life, we've not felt that feeling very often, someone being for you. Most of us have felt the despair of people being against you, right? People have, people have felt the, the, the seasons in which it feels like nothing can go right. You know, the seasons in which problems start piling up. Anybody felt that before? The seasons in which the entire cosmos is weighted against you. You're like, what is going on in my life? Maybe someone 
has literally come against you to hurt you, to take something from you. I mean, that's what the enemy does in life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? God wants to give us life. The enemy wants to steal life from us. A few years ago, Christy and I experienced our home being broken into. Like, literally, this happened. It was a full-blown robbers in the house, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, wet bandits coming after us. It was about six years ago, and it was a legit break-in. Like, it happened in the middle of a summer day when everybody was gone. Christy and Emily returned home in the afternoon to find out that not all was as it should be. And so when they discovered this, they, of course, did what any of us would do. They ran out of the house because they didn't know if the robbers were still in the house. I like to call them robbers. (laughs) How many know when people come against you, it can be pretty scary? So she calls me in a panic. Of course, I immediately drive home, and the police are there by the time I get there. And thankfully, the robbers were gone, but they did not leave empty-handed. Uh, they ended up stealing thousands of dollars worth of things. All of Christie's jewelry was stolen. Uh, even the day before, Christie had taken off her wedding ring, put it in the closet uh, because it needed to be repaired. So the very ring that I, at my 21-year-old self, had picked out and got on my knee and gave to the love of my life was now gone. Um, all of my, not all, but most of my shoes were stolen. Yeah. <laughs> Mess with a man's sneaks, right? Yeah. I had a fake Rolex that was taken. I miss my Folex. But I do hope that they thought it was real and thought, man, payday. Joke's on them. They took clothes, computers, electronics. They even took the last can of hash. <laughs> Got to be festive, right? It was, it was actually pretty terrible, seriously terrible. But can I tell you the weirdest, strangest thing they took? They stole all of my pants. <laughs> every pair of pants. Over time, you collect a lot of pants, a lot of jeans, a lot of khakis, a lot of dry fits, like all sorts of pants. I had a stack of pants, all of them, gonzo. They literally stole the pants off of me. (laughs) You got to laugh to keep from crying. But here's the thing. The funny side of this whole story is we didn't tell Addie and Grayson that this had happened because they were too young. Six years ago, they were young. We didn't want them to be scared. Uh, But when do you bring up Hey, by the way, a couple years ago, our house was broken into. So last night, (laughs) I'm like, well, I'm going to tell the whole church. I better tell Addie. I better tell Grayson. They're going to be like, what just happened? Hashtag being a pastor's kids, right? Like, but so for six years, Addie thought the reason mom went and bought a new wedding ring is because she lost it getting out of the car. Christy was just that irresponsible. (laughs) We can laugh about it now, but in all seriousness, right? Like, there's there's a pit in your stomach when someone comes against you, takes something from you, hurts you, changes your life as a result of what they've done. Now, we've all experienced it. 
maybe not a literal break-in, but your life, you've experienced break-in after break-in. Some of you have experienced more than your fair share. Your life has been ransacked, abused, used, whatever you want to say. Your life has been one hardship after another. Some of you, it's like, well, maybe not my whole life, but I have been in a season, Tim. You don't understand. Like, it has been one thing after another. It's one crazy series of unfortunate events, right? It's, let, it's, it's, it's starting to wear you down. It's stealing life from you. It feels like the enemy is working overtime on you, and you're like, is this everybody else or is it just me? Well, that's why John 10, 10 is so powerful. It's why we quote it all the time. The thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come to give you life and give it to the full. Like this is why Jesus has come. He wants to give you life. The enemy, the thief, a.k.a. the devil, right? He wants to destroy you. But Jesus says, I am for you. I've come to give you life. So I want you to hear today, if you are feeling the weight of the world come against you, first of all, don't lose hope. Jesus is not only for you, he will help you. Remember I asked you, who needs help in here? I can declare it because God said it. I want you to walk out of here today receiving the help that can only come from Christ. That's what I want today. Hebrews 4 says this. Now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all. All but the sin, of course. So let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy. Accept the help. Let's not let it slip through our fingers. Jesus is not out of touch with your life. In other words, he gets you. Look at your neighbor and say he gets you. He is for you. He gets you and he wants to help you. How many know that's not always easy to ask for help? Right? We don't like asking for help. Why? There's probably a million reasons why. A lot of us are too prideful to ask for help. Some of us are like, I don't want to ask for help because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to inconvenience someone else. Some of us don't feel like we have the right to ask for help. Some of us are like, I don't ask for help because they always do it wrong. <laughs> Can I get a witness perfectionist in the room? <laughs> Some of us are like, I don't want to ask them for help because I'm going to have to return the favor. <laughs> right? I don't know why you don't ask for help or why we don't ask for help, but we have to come to grips with something. We have to come to the grips with something this morning. We all need help. Look at your neighbor and say, you need help. <laughs> like, for real, you need help. Hey, hey, so if we get this, you need help. We need to get this. You need to quit living like you don't. Quit living like you don't need help. Quit living like you got this. When you don't. We live in a world where there is trouble, where there are problems, where there is hard things, terrible things, things that are too big for us. Jesus said this would be so, didn't he? G John 16, In this world, you will have trouble, problems. 
struggles, hardships, things that aren't fair, injustices, people coming against you, people stealing from you. You will have this, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus didn't promise a life of no problems. He promised that he will overcome those problems, that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he will lead you through a life that has problems. If you have your Bible, you can open up to Isaiah 61 today. This is the main passage I want to be in today. This is a prophetic message, uh, this, this passage is about the coming Messiah. Remember, the Advent is all about the, at, the expectation, the waiting on Jesus to come. And it's about remembering that we're waiting again, right? Well, Isaiah 61 was written 700 years before Jesus was born. But this passage is a declaration of the ministry that the Savior, the, the Messiah, Jesus would bring. Some of you may know that Jesus later, as he began his ministry, it's quoted in Luke 4, where Jesus actually uses this passage. He reads it over the people, and he says at the end of it, today this is fulfilled in your presence. In other words, I am the one Isaiah was talking about. I have come to do what you've been waiting on. This is the ministry of the Messiah. Isaiah 61, let's read it. The Spirit of God, the Master, is on me because God anointed me. He sent me to preach the good news to the poor, to heal the broken, announce freedom to all captives, pardon all prisoners. God sent me to announce the year of his grace, a celebration of God's destruction of our enemies, and to comfort all who mourn, to care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion, to give them a bouquet of roses instead of ashes, message of, of joy instead of news of doom, a praising heart instead of a languid spirit, to rename them oaks of righteousness planted by God to display his glory. They'll rebuild the old ruins, raise a new city out of the wreckage. They'll start over on the ruined cities, take the rubble left behind, and make it new. How many know that Jesus is making all things new? This is the beautiful, one-of-a-kind ministry of Jesus outlined in Isaiah 61. Jesus is going to help people who are broken, who are hurting, who are mourning, who are suffering, those who feel like life is being stolen from them. He's going to restore them, and I love how it ends, and to plant them like a strong, mighty oak tree planted for the display of his glory and his splendor. This is an important verse in our church. It's one of the first verses that we felt really put on our heart as God called us to plant this church. And, and you, you've seen the, the art piece as you walk in the main door with the banners, with the big oak tree. And if you've been here a long time, you, you probably know what it's all about. But if you're newish around here, you might be like, yeah, it's a piece of art. But it's, it's, it's a picture of this scripture, the ministry that we felt like God wanted to, to release into the city and, and in our church that this is, this is the life that God wants for us, that he's going to meet us in our need and in our problems, and he's going he's to restore us, he's going to rebuild us, he's going to plant us so that we'll be like a strong, mighty oak tree, able to withstand the storms of life and the, the wind that comes and be able to enjoy the shade of the tree and, and all for the display of his glory and his splendor. I want to break this passage down by getting specific about the help that Jesus came to bring. I have a, a little graphic to help us through it, because remember, Jesus is for you. And I believe this passage is going to help some people today. I'm just going to go through it really briefly. 
But first it says that Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. Meaning Jesus has good news for the poor. Everyone say good news. His ministry begins with good news. And it's not just for anybody, it's for the poor. And, and here's the thing, how many know that all of us have been poor? Now he's speaking to the physically poor, the financially poor, the, the, the spiritually poor. And he says, I have good news for you. If you feel like your life is lacking, I have something that feels full. I want to give you life to the full. So if you are poor in any way, I am here. Jesus is for the poor. Second thing he says is, I have come to heal the broken. Jesus heals the broken. Everyone say, God heals. God heals. Listen, to those who are broken down by the stress of the world, to those who feel brokenhearted by a relationship that fell apart, for those who are physically broken in their body and need God to come and physically heal them, God says, I am for you. God says, I am for you. I've come for you. I have come to heal the broken. He may not heal everybody in this life of everything, but he will heal all of us in his timing and in his way and in his coming. He's come to heal us. Jesus is for the broken. And I know some of you feel broken. The verse goes on and he says, he's come to announce freedom over the captives. Jesus frees those who feel captive. Everyone say freedom. freedom. Christy has a great truth that she says about Jesus that she likes to tell others. Some call it a joke. I call it truth. She says, do you want to know why Jesus doesn't wear jewelry? Because he breaks every chain, breaks every chain, breaks every chain. That was for you. She does it way better. She does it way better than me. In all seriousness, though, right? Like, how many know that Jesus came to break us free of our addictions, the things that destroy us? So for the person who is captivated, addicted, trapped by things like alcohol or drugs or nicotine or gambling or pornography or stealing, or even things that seem less important like video games and social media and spending money and consumerism, all the things that hold us captive, being a workaholic, whatever it is, He's come to set you free. He breaks chains of oppression. And even when you feel shame, I know a lot of us feel shame when we are captivated by something. He's still for you. The help keeps coming. He's come to pardon all prisoners. Jesus forgives prisoners. Everyone say, God forgives. Jesus forgives because it's not about what you've done. No matter how bad it is, no matter how much you've done, it's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done. He's done it all. He's done all that's necessary for absolute grace to be given to all people for all sin for all time. Jesus sets prisoners free. He sets sinners free, rebellion, rebellers free, right? He says, come to me, return to me. I will forgive you. And I know some of us are like, I don't know. I don't know if God can forgive this one. He can. Jesus is for you. He understands you. He gets you. Next verse, he says, he will comfort all who mourn. Jesus comforts those who grieve. Everyone say comfort. comfort. Perhaps you're on the journey of grieving or maybe you're walking through pain. He's here to bring comfort. And I know some of you, it's like I, my life is mourning. I haven't, not, I haven't quit mourning. God sees you. And I know that many of you, you don't know what to do with your pain. 
But Jesus comes and he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. We often say, and he will give you rest. Can we say it this way? He will give you comfort. He comforts those who mourn. Then there's this interesting sentence, right? That God will give a bouquet. This is the, in the message version. Eugene Peterson writes, God will give a bouquet of roses in exchange for our ashes. He will give beauty for ashes. So Jesus exchanges suffering for beauty. Everyone say beauty for ashes. Beauty for ashes. ashes in the Old Testament and in the scriptures represent suffering and mourning. And the people during the days of Isaiah would literally sit in a pile of ashes they would pour them on their head as if it was a sign of their suffering. And Jesus says, I've come to pick you up. I've come to dust off the ashes. And I'm going to give you a bouquet of roses. I'm going to give you beauty for your suffering. It's a beautiful picture. He's for those who suffer. Next, he comes to give messages of joy instead of doom and despair. So Jesus fills those that are with despair with joy. Everyone say joy. joy. The world loves news of despair, doesn't it? Most of us have grown tired of watching the news, but if you turn on the news, what do we find? The only thing newsworthy is problems, pain, and despair. Jesus says, I have different news. I have news of joy that will change your life. So Jesus is for those who despair. He says, I will, I will replace that despair with joy. Lastly, he wants to give a praising heart instead of a languid spirit or a discouraged spirit. Jesus will give a heart of praise to the discouraged. Everyone say praise. praise. Only Jesus can do that, by the way. Only Jesus can, can transform those who are discouraged. And I believe the enemy has been working overtime to discourage his people. God's people. I, I just feel like so many of us get into a place of feeling discouraged for whatever reason. I mean, there's a million reasons why, but he just sucks the courage right out of us. So we'll be discouraged in our own life, in our own, life, in our own faith, in our own walk. Many are discouraged about many things, whether it be their position in life or some sort of disappointment. Disappointment is so real, isn't it? Jesus is for the discouraged. He says, I will restore you and give you a heart of praise. And finally, back to this amazing promise. What does he say? He says, Jesus wants to plant your life in this world as a display of his glory and splendor. So I just got to say, I mean, Jesus is for you. He is for anyone in here who feels poor in life in any way possible. He is for anyone broken and needs healing. He is for anyone who is held captive. He is for any of the, or he is for prisoners of sin. He is for those who are mourning. He is for those who are suffering. He is for those who are overcome with despair and many of us who are discouraged. Jesus is for you. And can I just say this? We can't act like we already know this. You might know it, but we shortchange it and we overlook it all the time. And we think, yeah, he's for them, but not me. Or he's for me, but I don't feel it. He doesn't want your life. Listen to this. He doesn't want your life to be a, to be a display of problems and despair. He wants your life to be a display of his glory and splendor. We promote our problems more than we promote our praise. 
We talk about our problems, and we don't praise Jesus for what he's doing. We act as if we should display our problems and all the discouragement in our life. Not that it doesn't matter, but God wants to replace it. He wants to plant something new in you because he's for you. I was so moved about a month ago or so when we heard the story of Emily Peace, an amazing person here in our church. Many of you were here when we played her video just a few weeks ago, so I won't retell the story much, but, but I had to just touch on it because if I was going to describe Emily's life, it was probably you know, all eight of these things in her early life. She was poor, broken, captive, suffering, despair, discouraged. She was all these things. They all describe, describe the problems in her life. And one relative in her life, though, encouraged her as a young woman. She knew Emily's struggle, but she still spoke the ministry of Jesus over her life. And she said to Emily, God is going to plant you like an oak tree. And you are going to display the glory of the Lord. What a powerful truth to someone in the midst of so much deep struggle. Emily held on to these words, and one night, when she was on the streets right here, cold night, she looked in our window and saw that banner with that oak tree on it, and, that, and those words, and God once again reminded her of the hope she could have. And here she sits years later, not even that many years later, experiencing the ministry of Jesus at work in her life, displaying the glory of the Lord. I also think about my friend Reuben, who was in my alpha group this past fall. Reuben has a story, and hopefully someday you're going to hear the whole story. It's pretty powerful. But he had problems piled up in his life, addictions that he was held captive to, broken and suffering. His problems nearly ruined his life. But, of course, in his darkest hour, Jesus met him. And today, Reuben is growing in his faith. He was baptized last year. Jesus is helping him every step of the way. By the way, it's, I'm sure it's not easy from what I can tell. Problems still exist, but Jesus is with him, helping him every step of the way. And that's what it's about. As I got to hear his own outworking of his life in our alpha group, about how he's depending on Jesus to help him. And I think that is, is just so beautiful to just go, wow. God does change everything about everything. I think about my, my dad, Owen. He's been dealing with physical pain and deteriorating nerves in his back for years that have caused all sorts of problems and surgeries and all sorts of pain for him. And, and he, he needs and he prays for healing all the time. And God has brought partial healing and Small breakthroughs, but not total healing yet. And he remains faithful through it all. He keeps praying and he keeps praising. And what I'm most proud of is he keeps leading. He co-leads our prayer ministry and prays for people every week. Prays for healing and sometimes sees healing in people while he waits on his own. You see, even when we're discouraged about what's not happened yet, just remember God's not done yet that we can keep remaining faithful. And even when discouragement hits my dad, I, I, I see him lean into Jesus, depend on his help. And I know for Emily, Reuben, my dad, 
all of them would say that the struggle's real and it's and it still happens in their life, but praise be to God that Jesus is there with them every step of the way, helping them. How many know that God loves to bless his people? It's one of the ways that he shows us that he is for us. I love the passage in Numbers chapter 6. It's a special passage. It's known as the priestly blessing. It's a prayer that God instructs the priest to pray over his people every day. Literally every day. So the priest would get up and in the morning they would pray this blessing over God's people. And it is the lyrics basically of the song that was popular a few years ago, right? The blessing. So I know many of you have heard this, but I'm going to read it anyway. Number 622, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. There's a lot of things really powerful, but one of the things that's really powerful about that passage is the word you. You notice this says it six times. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Turn his face to you and give you peace. It's like God is saying, you, 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 you. Jesus is for you. Right? I am for you. I am your good news. I am your healing. I am your freedom. I am your grace, your comfort, your beauty, your joy, and I am your glory and your splendor. I am for you. Listen, the ministry of Jesus is for everyone. And I say that really intentionally today because it's, it's obviously for the person who doesn't know Jesus, for the person far from him who's struggling in life, who's lost. And that may be you today. You're like, I, I've been trying to figure the God thing out my whole life. And hearing that Jesus is for me is what I needed to hear because I didn't know for sure if he was. He's for you. And so this truth is for those who need God in their life to move. But it's also for the person, which are many of us in this room, who have loved Jesus for years. You know, so many times we read a scripture like this and we're like, oh yeah, he's come to set the captives free. And we think, I've already been set free, so that's not really me. That's not really for me for now. It was for me then, but not now. I just want you to know the ministry of Jesus keeps coming after you. He's not done with you. He's still for you. He's still giving you all these things all the days of your life. He's always for you. He's never done. And by the way, he's never tired. I love this passage I read earlier, Hebrews 4. I want to I land in it today. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. Again, this is the message, sort of paraphrase of this passage, but it's so powerful, the, the words that are used to describe this idea of coming to the throne of God with confidence. Now that we know that we have Jesus. How many of you guys have Jesus? Right? Like, now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God. How many of you guys know it's good to know people in high places? <laughs> it's good to know the boss man. He'll get you backstage. He'll get you all the swag, but it's way better, right? It's way better because he's going to give you freedom. He's going to give you healing. He's going to give you the things you need to help you. He says now that he has ready access to God, let's not let that slip through our fingers. Why are you going to miss out on that? Why are you going to act like it's not a big deal? We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He gets us. 
He's felt it all. He's been through the weakness and the testing. He's experienced it all. All but the sin. Because he is made perfect through his sinless life. And then this last line. So what do we do? What do we do? I need help. What do I do? So let's walk right up to him. Let's go up with some confidence and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy. Accept the help. Can I say it this way? I believe it's time for some of us to get stepping. Walk right up to him. What if today was the end of the enemy stealing from your life? What if today was the end of the chains of discouragement? What if today was your day of salvation? What if today is your healing or your freedom? Why won't you walk right up to him? Why are you letting it slip through your hand one more time? What if today you left the ashes of your suffering at this altar and you walked out with beauty? What if today you let despair, <laughs> what if you bowed, bowed to, the, to the Lord and said, Lord, I'm leaving despair today. I'm walking in your joy. How many believe that God can do anything? How many believe that God can do anything? How many believe that our God is able? How many believe that he is more than able to do anything that we ask or imagine or request in our wildest dreams? How many of you guys believe that? If we believe it, why don't we just walk right up to him? God, I need you. I need your help. I need your help, God. We have to trust him. We have to, we have to know that he has a better plan than we know. We have to know that he's, he's going to work in his timing. But enough of this, I'm not going to ask him for help. I'm not going to be too prideful to say, God, I need your help. Quit letting the enemy steal life. Quit being a display of problems. But instead, be a display of his glory and his, and his splendor. So we're going to pray. We're gonna, <laughs> I love it, man. We are going to take the mercy and accept the help. We're going to take it. And while we pray, I want you to just think, be real and honest and vulnerable with God and say, God, this is where I need your help. I haven't asked you, or maybe I've asked so many times, I'm tired of asking. But I'm going to ask you today, I'm not going to let this slip through my fingers. You're going to get honest, and you're going you're to ask him. You're going to fully surrender it. Why don't you, you stand with me as, we, as we're going to pray? I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. <laughs> what do you need God's help with? I want you to think. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you start to guide our thoughts? Would you start to guide our heart? Lord, we want to be open. We want to be ready. I want to give you a moment, though. What do you need God's help with? What do you need Jesus to come and do? Get it clear in your mind right now. Every one of us can answer this question. What do you need God's help with? This isn't for someone else. It's for you because Jesus is for you. You, 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 you.
Maybe you're dealing with one of these eight things that we specifically pointed out that the ministry of Jesus pointed to, but we know that he can help with anything. But if today, just as a way of you acknowledging before the Lord, no one's looking around, but if you just say, I do need God's help, and I'm ready to ask him for it in a way that maybe is a re- me coming back once again, or maybe it's I'm coming to him for the first time, would you just lift your hand today if you just say, I need God's help, and I'm going to ask him. Just lift your hand. Come on, be courageous, be vulnerable with him. Heavenly Father, every hand lifted. We come with confidence to your throne. We only do it because you said we can. You invited us to it. And we believe you are able. That you can do anything. So God, now as we worship you, as we spend time responding to you, Father, would you, would you do a deep work in us today as we seek out your help. I pray you release healing in this room, freedom in this room in the name of Jesus. We pray your anointing through prayer. We pray, Father, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would do the only your Holy Spirit could do. That, Father, those who need to be set free will be set free. Those that need to be, uh, that need to, to need to cast out the enemy in their life, that it would happen today in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray, we pray for those who mourn, that, Father, you would give them comfort. For those who, Father, are suffering right now, that, Lord, you would give them beauty for their ashes. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that your ministry would would be alive and active in this room as we worship you and as we cry out to you and as we trust in you in the name of Jesus. We pray this all in your name. Amen. This altar's open. Our prayer team is here. Let's worship because we believe that Jesus changes everything. How many guys believe that Jesus changes everything? That he's still changing everything about everything. And so we say today, show us, God. Show us how you change it. Show us how you change it, God. We're going to worship him. This altar's open. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.